this show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. I'm your host, Derek Howard. Comic Book Noise can be found at comicbooknoise.com. Alright, um, a few years ago, there was a backup story for Justice League that was, uh, Shazam. Um, it was written... By Jeff Johns, artwork by Gary Frank, and unfortunately, I cannot remember who the rest of the creative team was. I just remember, well, I should say pencils by Gary Frank. I don't know if he also took care of the inking duties. But, um, I didn't like it. It was uh, an updated version of the story. Um... I guess they were trying to make it more relatable for, like, the new generation. Um, which, to be frank, I never saw it as necessary. I mean, the whole story of of Captain Marvel slash Shazam was wish fulfillment, you know? You have this poor, orphaned boy who all of a sudden has all these great powers. And he ended up using those powers to help people and to fight these outlandish, exaggerated-looking bad guys. You know, that's what he used. What that's what he did with his powers. Um, and I liked it. You know, I liked it back then. But the new stuff they made Billy Batson, who was this um, selfless orphan who wanted to just help other people and made him a kid in the foster system who had a chip on his shoulder who lied and stole and it's just like oh okay (laughs) you know that that was weird i didn't did not like it all right fast forward a few more years and they make the shazam movie and instead of Going back to the original source material, which would not work in today's day, you know, um, because part of the origin is that Billy was standing on the corner selling newspapers when he was lured into a um, abandoned subway station which ended up taking him to the Rock of Eternity where he met the Wizard of Shazam and he got the powers. Um, (laughs) Many, many years later, there was a book called uh, Hero Alliance. And they, um, it was uh, uh, an annual, it was a story, one of the annuals. And so it had them basically going around um, interfering in famous origin stories, right? 
like there was this kid who was going to rush out into traffic and help this uh, old guy but you know they pulled the, the the characters pulled the young kid and the old man back so he didn't get hit by a uh a truck that had like radioactivity and therefore he didn't become daredevil well they'd never mentioned daredevil um when the billy batson kid was about to get pulled into a subway they showed up and said hey don't go with strangers one of those type of deals um and that was it was, it was cute but uh yeah the whole thing of some some young teen <laughs> following somebody into a, a dark abandoned um subway station just just would not fly today i mean for very obvious reasons um so they did make a few changes to the story um and at that point to me uh Shazam was probably the best of the uh the DC cinematic universe movies simply because it was the only one that was that didn't that did not seem to be um oppressively gloomy all right now i liked some of the other movies but to me this one was the best one because it was bright it was colorful they actually leaned into the fact that he was a superhero um and i therefore i was kind of surprised when i kept reading all these not actually critics but people cuz i don't you know um people saying that they didn't like it and they really couldn't put their finger on it and you know even um some creators some pretty famous comic book writers were saying that that they didn't really like Shazam um and it finally occurred to me that it really wasn't necessarily a problem with the story i should say with the movie but with the with the source material because the movie took almost all of it from that backup series um by Johns and Frank and i just i i i am seeing it now because i've actually watched um the movie on uh, i think it's on TNT i think they show it constantly um but I, i i watched it and i was like you know for an adaptation of the comic book story it's actually really good um that said there's so many things i don't like about the movie <laughs> and it was at that point probably my favorite um DC movie um and i i still would recommend it if you are a um DC movie fan i think you should watch it to show what they could do if they if the movie go if the movie goes if the movie makers would actually focus on what they're given instead of um trying to put their own stamp on the DC universe um you know what i mean by that all about to tell you the truth i've been watching the uh Zack Snyder cut and i'm i'm not through with the whole thing but 
I'm enjoying it a lot more than the theatrical release, uh, simply because it's actually making more sense, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, so anyway, but, but back to Sanam. Um, as an adaptation of that backup, it's, it's pretty much picture perfect. But there are a bunch of little things. Like for once, for one, um, Savannah, uh, Doctor Savannah, <sighs> Mark Strong just is not Savannah to me. You know, uh, Mark Strong is an excellent actor, um, but <sighs> Savannah has always been, you know, this smart guy, but who's also a fucking weasel, and. Mark Strong does not have a whole lot of weaselish tendencies, you know. There's, there's very little weaselish about him. So, to me, that was, I didn't like that. But then again, I didn't really like the way John's portrayed him either, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was just, I don't know. I just woke up this morning and I was thinking about Shazam. Well, I just found out that Dan Slott will be leaving Fantastic Four with, um, I believe, issue 46. Um, It was funny because I had, excuse me, I was in a chat with uh, Bruce Rosenberger and Aaron Makem, and Bruce was asking if either of us read... um, Spider-Man Miles Morales' series. And, you know, and I just pointed out that I really don't read any Marvel except for Fantastic Four. And, you know, so I asked him, you know, it was worth picking up that kind of stuff. And uh, once I was done, I got on TikTok, and the first thing I saw was Bleeding Cool because I'm uh, subscribed to them. And Rich Johnson was saying that Dan Slott was leaving, which, um, Dan Slott's been on a book for at least four years, and he's done a good job, I mean, just, ah, just excellent work, you know, um, and he really made a point of, uh, building up, um, Ben Grimm, because, you know, he, the first time I even really heard of Dan Slott was when he was writing The Thing, which lasted for a few issues, less than a year, I believe, and then it got canceled, and everybody was talking about Dan Slott's thing, you know, because <laughs> we're a bunch of children, um, and, you know, it's kind of sad, because <sighs> I just know that, I well, I have this good feeling that when he leaves the book, um, Ben is going to be a happily married man with, uh, with, a, with a couple of kids um, can't remember their names but they're uh, they're like a Kree warrior and a scroll warrior who were built to be like perfect weapons and they're supposed to wage war with each other but they were rescued by the Fantastic Four, and Ben brought him in and just basically, you know, adopted him. They became his children. He's their father. 
<sighs> and I don't know who's going to take over the book from him. But I don't think that that dynamic's going to last very long. You know, um, one thing that Dan Slot did was he introduced um, Johnny Storm's soulmate. You know, and named Sky. She had wings. She's, uh, she was from a a, a a planet of black superheroes, and it was really cool. I really liked her. And then, of course, Johnny, being Johnny, he fucked it all up. So that's what Johnny Storm does. He fucks up his his love life. Um, so, I mean, when he undid that relationship, I was like, oh, man, that's a bummer. Because I like this character, you know. But now somebody else is going to be brought in. And they probably will not have the same affection for Ben Grimm and his family. <sighs> that dance slot does. So that's going to be a bummer. But I'm still going to stick with Fantastic Four. And I will be checking out Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Uh, oh, well. Alright, I started watching Ms. Marvel. Um, it's on uh, Disney+. Plus, and on, only the first three episodes are up. And I'll tell you right now, I really, really enjoy this show. Um... Probably more than uh, Moon Knight. Um, and to tell the truth, I enjoyed the Eternals a lot more than other people did, but probably more than that, more than Shang-Chi, more than um, Black Widow. And that's just because the show has heart, you know? Um, the show revolves around uh, a person, a character, you know, around a family. Whereas those others, they were telling stories. They, you really, really didn't give a shit if, uh, you know, what was going on with Mark Spector. Or uh, if Shang-Chi was going to stop the bad guys or whatever the hell was going on with, um, with Black Widow. You just liked the Black Widow movie because you liked the character from the other movies. Because, quite frankly, they... They really did my girl dirty in that movie. But, um, any Eternals, I liked it because it was something different than the, the rest of the, uh, the Marvel movies. But at the same time, it really wasn't. It was still just, uh, eh, I don't know. It just, the, 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 the family mm -hmm. aspect of, um, Ms. Marvel just really shone through and the heart. Um, and of course, because, it features uh, <laughs> it features a, a lot of uh, uh, how can I put this a diverse cast with um, with one token uh, a lot of people are ragging on it saying how bad it is and it's like okay you're full of shit but alright uh, I saw somebody said that they didn't like that um, Ms. Marvel well, that Kamala kind of should say wasn't as uh, as forceful as she needed to be to, to drive the story and I'm thinking she's a 16 year old girl <laughs> she's a 16 year old girl who's going through more than just um, I don't know normal shit that a 16 year old girl has to go through she's going through a lot of shit um, so yeah that makes more sense than Stephen Grant the whole Stephen Grant Mark Spector thing and I tell you right now 
that uh, Moon Knight um, grew on me. But uh, towards the beginning, it was like, eh, will this be the one that I don't finish? <laughs> will this be the Marvel series that I just throw my hands up and was like, yeah, I just, I don't give a shit. And no, because it, it turned out all right. But right now, to me, Ms. Marvel, way better. Ms. Marvel is uh, one of the best. Anyway. Okay, um, I don't know if I mentioned this before. I'm almost positive I haven't. But I've been reading um, a lot of uh, web comics on webtoons.com. Um, and the two that I think that everybody here who's listening might be interested in are um, what is called the Batman Family Adventures, where basically it's uh, first off, I thoroughly enjoy it, and I'm pretty sick of Batman. Um, I know Batman is like everybody's favorite DC hero, but anytime people start talking about, hey, there's a new Batman movie, I'm like, eh, okay. Well. <laughs> when it comes on streaming, I'll watch it. Um, in fact, that last Batman movie, <sighs> I can see why people liked it, but at the same time, I thought it was just okay. And I haven't even finished watching it. I have watched it in like maybe 20 minute sessions. I think the longest was like 40 minutes. Um, and like I said, I can see how it's, a, it's good. But people were talking about it like it's better than uh, Avengers Endgame. Um, I should say, you know what? I liked Endgame. I think I might have preferred... Um, Infinity War. I don't know. I have to watch them again. Uh, and there's also the Spider-Man movie with the big crossovers, which I really did like. Uh, however, if you didn't really know much about the the previous Spider-Man movies, you you might you there's a possibility you could have gotten lost. But anyway, Batman. It's Batman Family Adventures, and it's. Oh, I think Batman himself has shown up a couple times. There's been more Bruce Wayne than Batman, if I recall correctly. Um, and mostly it's about his wards and his adopted children, um, both officially adopted and, I guess, unofficially adopted. Um, there's, there's Jason, Dick, um, uh, Stephanie, Damien... Tim and Duke. Uh, Duke is the one. If you when you first start reading, he's the one who's like the the, the entry character um, because he's moving into Wayne Manor for the first time. And I'm not sure, but I believe that's the guy from uh, We Are Robin, which what which had those. Oh, I want to say Reaper Mayho covers. I can't remember. Hold on a second. Um, there was it. Oh yeah, the, the the I am Robin. Um, I think that's the kid. I remember getting the first couple of issues when it came out because I really liked the cover. Uh, very atmospheric. It was. Um, it was made out of shapes, if that makes sense. 
Anyway, I, I liked it. I think Duke was the lead character. Not 100% positive, but he's the guy who's moving into stately Wayne Manor with everybody else. And you got to see things from his point of view. Um, Kate Kane and uh, Alpha are also two. I shouldn't say Kate. Yeah, Kate Kane does show up. But I think more Batwoman than Kate. So anyway, I'm enjoying it. I've been recommending it to anybody who I think even might slightly be interested. Um, so that's why I decided to talk about it here. Um, and the new one that I just found out was also on Webtoons. And it's about Archie. You know, and this is... It's uh, it's like the 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 characters from Archie, you know, like seven years after they've graduated, you know. Um, so it's not exactly like uh, life with Archie, you know, where it was um, well leading up to Archie getting married to Betty and Veronica, and it shows the two different paths his life would take. Um, and it's definitely not like uh, Riverdale, although there are certain Riverdale-ish qualities. You know, there's no no killing and murder, but uh, yeah, these these are these are grown folks. All right, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, but it doesn't focus on any of the usual suspects. It actually focuses on Ethel Muggs, you know, big Ethel, who I always remember as being this big goofy girl, but they've redone her and she's not big and goofy. She's uh, a lot shorter and she's, um, she's thick, you know, she's not, she's not like Faith, the superhero, not like uh, Karma before she lost all that weight. She's, she's she's a thick girl, you know. She her her body type kind of reminds me of um, oh late '80s, early '90s uh, Maggie from uh, Love and Rockets, you know. Um, yeah, but uh, it's called Big Ethel Energy, um, and the story is Ethel who's felt um, pretty much ostracized from the rest of the Archie gang, uh, ends up moving to New York where she becomes a writer. And they, meaning the the mayor, contacted her to write a book about uh, Riverdale. And so she goes back and she has to deal with uh, a lot of past... um, I don't want to exactly say trauma, but when you're a teenager, it's some of the things that happened to her were traumatic. Um, and it's it's kind of like a different way of looking at the Archie gang. Uh, they don't all seem like dicks. You know, because usually when you have um, reimagining of sorts, uh, they always make the main characters of what's being reimagined, um, especially if it's come from a different angle. They always try to make them out to be assholes. You know, I've, I've complained about that many times before of all these people who want to do 
um, superhero stories, but not involving Marvel superheroes or DC superheroes. They always seem to make the superheroes assholes and dicks. Um, and for the most part, you know, people sort of miss the point. Like, you can tell somebody hasn't read the book, <laughs> the books, when they say that their favorite character from the boys is Homelander. It's like, uh, yeah, okay. Okay. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I just wanted, wanted to talk about that uh, really quick. But right now I'm done making a lot of noise. <laughs> a lot of comic book noise. Take it easy. Oh, my God.